Okay, so in this episode, I'm going to explain why I think RPGs are Frankenstein's monsters to me, what this means for how I should best engage with them, and why I've had a little bit of a revelation. It's coming from the deep, dark recesses of the mind of Mel Brooks. So hello and welcome to episode 2 of season 2 of the Say Fancy Crafting Podcast. And in this little season I hope to make shorter podcasts that are more bite-sized and easier to digest. So in this one I just want to speak of why I think role-playing games are hybrid games and Frankenstein's monsters. In truth I've always felt this, I've always believed it. But it's only been this last week, after listening to Che Webster's uh, Dungeon Master Diaries episodes, which always fire my synapses off and get me thinking and wondering what it all means. But also by linking what he said in those podcasts with uh, what Andy Goodman said in his podcast, Role Playing is Acting. And because I sent some messages off to Andy in response to that as well but also um, because of a tweet that I sent to Dave Aldridge of the Deep Ascendile podcast, uh, where I stated this belief of mine that I believed role-playing games to be Frankenstein's monsters. And because I said that role-playing games were originally personalised war games, where instead of taking the part of taking control of a whole army or a unit, you just took control of one single person and that it, they incorporated elements of board games into that. And then as they developed, they started to take influences from art forms, from theatre, from acting, from oral story, storytelling traditions, from literature, from novels. And, they, and that role-playing games, they only take parts of these influences and they tear them out and they stitch them all together and they create this new Frankenstein's monster thing that is, at the same time, poorer and worse versions of each individual thing that that the role-playing game takes influence from. And yet, when all combined together, creates something new, and more exciting in its totality in its totality than each of the individual parts in themselves. So a role-playing game is a poor war game in effect. It's a poor board game. It's a poor piece of improvised acting. It's very limited in terms of describing it as a novel, in terms of its ability to portray plots and themes and characterizations and yet it's only when these all these things are taken together that it 
truly blossoms into something far more magical and more impressive. And thinking about that made me realise that if that's the case, then why would you want to limit yourself to only one of the one or a few of the influences that go towards making a role-playing game? Why would you insist on saying that role-playing games should all be played in the first person, like a piece of improvised acting? Because you will then only reduce the, the role-playing game down to a poorer version of acting. Or, you know, why should you only have the role-playing game as a piece of narrated storytelling? where you're just sitting there listening to the games master relay his latest plot and story to you without having any input. It diminishes the role-playing game by concentrating on only one of the influences and refusing to engage with any of the other influences. So it's made me think that, actually, wouldn't it just be great if I could, if I could just give myself license to enjoy all of the influences that go into making a role-playing game in themselves and not worry about... I mean, if you really didn't want to do acting because you were nervous and you were self-conscious of it, then, yeah, fair enough, but you will have to accept that you'll be, you will be missing out on a lot of the richness and opportunities that that element of role-playing can give. And also in, I also realised that in my, for my own sense, where I've, I've been describing in my previous podcasts, how I have this need for otherworldly immersion and fascination for immersion. And a lot of people seem to say, um, you know, immersion gets damaged when you go to the more mechanical game elements of the game, like the, the, the combat elements. I, I've realised that, well, why? Why should otherworldly immersion depend on things like storytelling and first-person interactive characterizations. Why, why shouldn't the mechanical, say, moving of figures around on a board diminish the ability to create another world in my head? Because it is all in my head. The, 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 the faculty to create a sense of another world that I can engage my imaginary senses in is all ultimately down to me and the faculties that I have within myself. It can be helped by somebody else, perhaps say, say by a particularly evocative piece of description by a GM or a particularly believable piece of characterization by one of the players. But that's not to say that anything else should diminish beyond the base level of my own imaginative faculty, my ability to make other world immersive techniques. So it shouldn't matter if it switches from a storytelling element to a more mechanistic combat element, I can still create a sense of otherworldliness and imagined fantasy from that. Uh, perhaps to give an example, perhaps if I give the example of, say, a game of chess. If I was playing chess, um, you could say I was immersed in the game. That wouldn't... But if I was just playing the game in the real world, I was sitting at a board, at a, at a checkered board, moving little wooden pieces around in fixed geometric um, movements, thinking about what I, where, what my next move would be, what my opponent's next move would be. That's all been done in this the real world. So to me, that's more... Even if I was ignoring everything else around me and just focusing on those elements, I'm still in the real world, and therefore I'm really just... I'm, either, I'm just heavily... I'm heavily involved in the game. I'm um, very concentrating on, the, uh, concentrating on the game. Or I'm 
particularly focused on the game. To me, it's not particular. Doesn't it's not really immersed because my idea of immersion in this context is another place, otherworldly immersion, as Che and Daniel have uh, defined it. But say I could think of that in a me- mechanistic game gaming sense, where say I I moved a knight, I took a, a knight piece and I moved it in a little L shape across the board. And I took one of my opponent's pawns, and I picked the pawn up and put it on the side of the the board. That would be an abstract gamist reality sense, but there's nothing to stop me making that into another worldly immersion by just imagining the action that took place in in an otherworldly sense. So I could imagine the knight on his horse charging across a battlefield. I could picture the knight's armour. I could picture the colour of the horse, say a white stallion. I could hear the thunder of the horse's footprints as it charged towards some poor, helpless footman, quavering behind a little iron shield, awaiting to take the knight's charge. I could see the knight lower his lance, see it strike the footman's shield. Imagining the land splintering and hearing the wood breaking and snapping. I could then feel and hear the thud as the horse barrels into the footman. See the hooves and the horseshoes fly up with the sods and bits of turf from the ground as the poor footman is trampled underfoot. I could then perhaps picture the horse and the rider moving forward under their own momentum. And then the knight pulling back on the reins. And up to this point, perhaps I'm all I'm viewing this all as a third party bystander, a spectator. But then as the knight reins in his horse, I suddenly go into the first person. And I'm there on the horse, imagining myself as the knight. And I can feel the horse jostling underneath me. And I can see myself pulling on the reins, turning the horse lifting my visor and looking back upon the poor, helpless footman, half buried in the ground. And I can see all this in my head now. Now, actually, I have made my confession. This is not the first time I've said these words. I've had a few practice attempts at this. You may tell from my voice is cracking a bit. I haven't scripted any of this. I've just practiced it and thought about it and had a couple of goes at it. But the first time that I said this, I actually had an extra dimension of otherworldly immersion. Where rather than simply thinking of something and then imagining a sort of sensory perception of it, I had a more realistic sense of immersion, more like a delusion, which sort of scared me a bit. Uh, Perhaps the best way I mean it is, you know when someone says, uh, someone says the words fleas, and then you start to feel itchy. Well, that's how imagining or imagination normally works. You perceive, you think of something, and then you imagine the sensory perception of it. But that's not normally how things work in the real world. In the real world, normally you have the sensory perception of something, and then your brain has to make sense of what it is. It's like, whoa, what was that? What did I just see? Well, the first time I actually read this out, I actually had a moment like that. Because as I imagined myself as the knight sitting on the horse, uh, 
turned in his saddle, lifting his visor. I breathed in and I suddenly had a sensation of breathing in cold, damp air. And it gave me a bit of a shock. I went, oh, what's that? And then I thought, it's cold morning, eh? It's cold morning. It's the morning. It's the morning. This is happening in the morning. And then I start to imagine, ah, uh, yes, I can see the mist now. I can see the, the mist rising on the on the field. I can see a low sun. I can view a low sun safely through the mist without hurting my eyes. I start to imagine bands of purple and yellow light in the sky on the horizon. And in doing that, I was back to the sort of saying fleas and then feeling the itch. But for that one moment where I breathed, where I had the sensation of breathing in cold air, it was more like I'd actually, I had the sensation first. I hadn't thought about it. And then I had to work out what is that sensation. Then I thought it's, it's cold morning air. And that gave me a bit of a start actually. Because I thought I've moved from fantasy imagining into delusion. And I thought, do, is, do I really want to be having delusions while playing a role-playing game? I'm not sure I do. Perhaps that really is the temptations of Nalathotep, of whatever his name is, Blumen Lovecraft. Um, perhaps that way madness does lie. And I'm not sure I want to be spending the whole get, uh, role-playing session in a state of delusion. And I'm not sure I want to spend a whole role-playing session in a state of daydream and fantasy either. In truth. In fact, I think, wouldn't it be better if I could just give myself license to enjoy all the different elements of the game? And allow myself a little bit of immersion? Allow myself a little bit of narrative description? Allow myself a little bit of acting? Allow myself to look at the figures and go, oh, I really like the way you've painted that. That's looks like, yeah, that's great. I'll enjoy Just enjoy all the elements that role planes have to offer. And I think, yes, that's I rather would. And not limit myself. I think that part of this has actually come from a response I got from Jason at um, uh, Nerds uh, Variety RPG cast. Uh, where he responds to my my little short podcast on romance in role-playing games. And he said, well, you know, that's fair enough if you don't like it, but uh, you're going to miss out on a whole lot of opportunity and adventuring opportunities by refusing to have romance in your games because it can be a great source of adventure and story. And I thought, yeah, he's right. You know, I, perhaps I shouldn't be limiting myself on things too much. There's some things I really couldn't uh, bear. And perhaps I'll just have a little podcast in a response to Jason's comments for, to deal with that. But there are some things that I really struggle with. Like, um, I struggle with a lot of the board game elements of role-playing. I hate having to keep track of things like arrows and coins and encumbrance points and things like that. I hate having to write things down and rub them out with an eraser and then write other things down. I hate having to do that. But I think I like perhaps I could use gimmicks. Perhaps instead of having writing down how many arrows I got, perhaps just have a pile of cocktail sticks. And then when I fire an arrow, just drop on the cocktail sticks back in the pot. <laughs> or perhaps throw it at the GM. 
there's an idea. Perhaps have a role-playing game where you have no character attributes at all. Everything's down to player ability. Yeah, everything. Your ability to communicate is down to you. Your negotiation skills are down to you. Your intelligence in solving puzzles is all down to you. And perhaps uh, you have to throw cocktail sticks into a little pot to be able to hit with an arrow. Perhaps you get your players to go outside and pick up a wheelbarrow full of bricks for checks of strength. That would be perhaps a fun little version of a role-playing game. But no, no, I'm, I'm getting distracted there. I want to keep this short. So, uh, yeah, I'm... The events of this week, I'm, I'm actually more positive now. I feel that I think I can deliver a more broader, more open, accommodating style of game for my nephew when, when we next meet. I think I can achieve the things that I want to achieve within a game from within myself and not depend on other people, not depend on the way other things are going. I, f- I feel I can... Everything I need is within myself. And um, this little revelation has come about because of the things I've listened to this week and the responses that I made and now I've had to consider them. So... Uh, yeah, I'm feeling better about my gaming and the possible future of my gaming with my nephew. And I'll, I'll just leave it there because it's getting a bit longer than I hoped. But if you do want to comment on what I've said, if you want to leave a message, you can leave a message in the Anchor app or you can email me at safefantasycrafting at gmail.com. So thank you for listening. I hope that it's been worthwhile and uh, take care and I hope you enjoy your gaming. Okay, just a quick addendum. I just want to make an apology to Jason for getting the name of his podcast wrong. Sorry, Jason. At uh, the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Uh, sorry for that. I'll uh, I'll try and get another little podcast out, another little short podcast, bite-sized podcast out, to give a more personalised response to the comments you, you, you made to me about romance and gaming. I'll hopefully try and get that done by the end of the week. I've also got some other comments from Barry at Shadow of the GM podcast that I might want to include in that. So uh, hopefully speak to you soon. Bye-bye.